the four o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. We are freaking thrilled to have Stanford Route back in the fold. Our uh, our guy in Texas, former Raider, former cornerback in the National Football League. So we got a lot to get to from last night's game uh, between the wide receivers and the defensive backs. First of all, how you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, love this time of the year. Uh, we are in early September. It is football, high school, college, pro. So I'm definitely ecstatic. Well, you know what's great about the National Football League is you have one game in the books and everyone's spitting fire after last night's game. It was a great game. <laughs> But I got to tell you, if I'm a Cowboy fan, man, last night were flashbacks for me, and I'm not a Cowboy fan, but last night were uh, flashbacks to Jason Garrett and the way he approached trying to win games. I was really frustrated with Mike McCarthy and his approach in the red zone and his handling of the end of the game. The Cowboys should have won that game! Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, they had plenty of opportunities to win the game. But I think also at the end of the day, it's clear that Tampa Bay was still the better team. Tampa Bay turned the ball over four times. So let's go ahead and remember that. And uh, the Cowboys had the they had the lead, giving Tom Brady the ball. I know it's Tom Brady with the ball with a minute to go. So uh, the Cowboys had plenty of chances to win that game. But also at the same time, I think that if Tampa Bay plays a clean game, like what uh, Bruce Arians alluded to after the game, if they play a clean game and they don't turn the ball over, they're not throwing the INT to Jordan Lewis. You don't see a bobble pass or should I say a bobble screen from Leonard Fournette that's picked up by Trevon Diggs. And then the fumbles and stuff like that by Ronald Jones. If that doesn't happen, I don't even think you're seeing a close game. I think you're seeing probably about a two-score uh, advantage for Tampa Bay at the end of the game. But nonetheless, uh, Dallas still had their opportunities, and they got to make sure they capitalize on those going forward. So as a player, when you're in these situations, a defensive player, and you watch your offense, you know you're going against Tom Brady or one of these great guys. If it was Drew Brees in the past or Aaron Rodgers, especially Pat Mahomes, what do you think uh-huh. on the sideline as there was a key play on second down? Uh, you're looking at, you know, inside of two and a half minutes, and Zeke hasn't run the ball all game, and all of a sudden they hand it off to Zeke, and I thought wasted a play. And at that point, I tweeted out, I'm like, he's playing for a field goal. As a defensive player, you know what you're probably going to have to do against Tom Brady. What are you thinking? Are you frustrated? Are you annoyed? I mean, you obviously you want you want to go ahead and punch the ball into the end zone to get a touchdown. That way you can get that much more of a lead. That way now you can give up a field goal and still be able to go ahead and come out victorious. But also at the same time, Tampa Bay's got a strong front seven. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And I think when you look at everything in its totality, Zeke has been declining over the last three years in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, some of it's due to injuries with the offensive line. He doesn't have that same continuity. Dak Prescott also being out. So obviously that goes ahead and that contributes as well. But I think that, you know, maybe Dallas is starting to want to turn the tide to where we now want to become more of a passing team. You got Amari Cooper, you got Michael Gallup, you got CeeDee Lamb. So clearly you got these weapons that they want to go ahead and and, and have uh, Dak Prescott use at his disposal. I think that probably also played a part. But nonetheless, I think that as a defender, when you're seeing the offense go out there and it looks like they might be tending to play a little bit conservative, obviously, like I said, you want to see them punch the ball in the end zone. But also at the same time, you can tell that, okay, you know what? Maybe they're just taking what Tampa Bay has given them. Maybe it's the pass rush. They don't really trust that against our offensive line because we have a a couple guys that are out, a couple guys that are banged up. So there's a myriad of factors that are going into that. So you try to want to go ahead and keep a level head. But I can tell you, Steve, from my days back in a black and silver uniform, if you have the lead with a minute to go. You got to get off the field. Yes, I get it. Tom Brady, seven <laughs> Super Bowls, greatest player ever, greatest quarterback ever. I get that. No doubt about that. But you had the lead with a minute to go. So as a defender, as a DB, what more could you have asked for? A bigger lead? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, isn't your job to go out there and get off the field anyways? So that's why even at the end of the day as a defender, we would like to go and have a little bit more of a cushion. But as a defensive-minded player, something that I always will be, even like now when I coach high school ball, I coach DBs, 
That's what I tell my guys. We got the lead. We got to get off the field. We can go ahead and we can poo-poo and we can go ahead and make excuses all we want to about, oh, well, you know, they should have given us a bigger lead. No, 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 no. Your job <laughs> is to get off the field, period, point blank. You got to do that. All right, what happens when you think you make the right plays uh, and then you're involved in a play like Chris Godwin where Godwin makes a big catch to set up the field goal and we see a little bit of a push? Should that have been OPI? That was OPI. No doubt about it, because you clearly can see the receiver, Chris Godwin, who I love, by the way, I love, uh, love watching him play. He clearly pushes off of Jordan Lewis. Now, are they going to call that as a whole different ball game? <laughs> so it's clearly OPI. But are they going to call that in that moment? No, they're not going to do that simply because that's Chris Godwin, Super Bowl champion, pro bowler, uh, really, really fantastic player, love watching him play, and that's Jordan Lewis. Now, if that's Jalen Ramsey, just like last year, you see Michael Gallup, Jalen Ramsey, week one last year, Rams versus Cowboys. Then all of a sudden you may see a little bit difference in who that call is going for from the referee. But in that situation, they're not making that call. And also it was very clear that it was a uh, that it was a there was an OPI, but it's not blatant enough. It's got to be to where the the cornerback, the DB is is obviously flying out of the screen. That's how much of an egregious push that it was, but something that's pretty subtle, something that obviously I can see because I know what to look for, but something that's pretty subtle, something that seems like it's kind of happening in the in the, in the the form or in the motion within the play, something like that. Referee's not going to call it in that moment. He's not. The former Raider, Stanford Rout, is back with us here on Cofield and Company. We talk to him every Friday. Let's talk about some of the big stories around the league. The injuries to the Ravens. We'll get to the Ravens-Raiders matchup here in a second. Yes. Cluster injuries, that's when things really get messed up. And, man, they've had a cluster injury run here at running back. This is the number one rushing team the last couple of years, over 3,000 yards on the ground. Now they've got Latavius mm-hmm. Murray and Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman. Can they just keep rolling here with the old guys on the ground, or are they going to take a big hit? I think they're probably going to go ahead and take a little bit of a hit early on just because it's a different type of running scheme. You see Le'Veon Bell back when he was in Pittsburgh or when he was with the Jets. You look at Latavius Murray when he was with the uh, Oakland Ra- the Oakland Raiders, when he's with the Minnesota Vikings, when he's with the New Orleans Saints, and now you see Devontae Freeman when he was with the Atlanta Falcons. You don't you didn't see the what they call the read option, where the quarterback is back in the pistol or the shotgun, and now he's basically reading the defensive end to choose whether he's going to go ahead and give it to the running back or he's going to go ahead and pull it and keep it himself. You look at how it was a Drew Brees that uh, Latavius Murray was matched up with. You look how it was a Matt Ryan that Devontae Freeman was matched up with. You look and see how it was Big Ben that Le'Veon Bell was matched up with. Those are three <laughs> yeah. quarterbacks that are not mobile. Let's just go ahead yeah, and say You're not doing that. RPOs with Big Ben. <laughs> exactly. So I think from that standpoint, it's going to be a little different for those running backs. Now in this type of offensive scheme, it's going to be a little bit different for them to get acclimated to. And then also they're a little bit more up there in age, a little bit more tread on the tires when it comes to their football uh, longevity, or should I say uh, mortality. So from that standpoint, you're going to see a little bit of a hit. But I think that they, they, they can make it work. It's going to take some time because obviously this is happening right before the very first game of the season, Monday Night Football against the Las Vegas Raiders. But I think that uh, eventually you'll be able to see them go ahead and kind of slide into, uh, into that comfort zone. Because when you look at everything else, Obviously, you had Dobbins. Everybody was expecting a big year out of him. Gus Edwards, another fine running back as well. But I think that you did not see a Pro Bowl-level running back, at least as of yet, that the Baltimore Ravens uh, had had a hit injury. So with that being said, you got three guys who have had Pro Bowl talent in their past. Le'Veon Bell is one of the best running backs in the league at one point in time. Same thing for Devontae Freeman. Latavius Murray, another fine running back as well for the Oakland Raiders. So – I think they'll be able to find their way. It's just going to take some time. Is a bigger loss on defense? Marcus Peters goes down with a similar injury to Gus Edwards, so he's on IR. Uh, Ravens love to have those cornerbacks on an island. That allows you to uh, you know, pressure the quarterback some more and trust yes. those guys on the back end. Is that the bigger hit? I Right now, I think over the long run, I think that's going to be the bigger hit. In the short run, it would probably be the running backs simply because – that right there is so much about Lamar Jackson's game, having that pistol, being able to run that RPO, being able to do the read option, things like that. That's what the Baltimore Ravens offense is predicated on. It's on the run game. So that's going to be a huge hit for them 
early on. Now, I think once you get to the latter part of the season, once you get to those down the stretch into the late October, November, December, that's where I think the loss of Marcus Peters is really going to rear its ugly head simply because you can find running backs, Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman. You can find running backs on the market, or should I say on the street right now at this time of year. You don't see Pro Bowl cornerbacks just floating around on the open market on the streets. You don't you don't usually see that. That's why I think in the long run, I think the loss of Marcus Peters being that bookend along with Marlon Humphrey, another guy I love to watch play, I think that right there is probably going to be the bigger hit in the long run. Well, I'm glad you mentioned you don't find certain positions on the street. It's kind of amazing that K.J. Wright, who's still a you know a top 100, top 125 player in the National Football League, that he was available. The Raiders bring him in. So what do you think about this whole retooling effort in this offseason for the Raiders on defense? I think that that right there is just – I think that's Gus Bradley when you break it all the way down, simply because for Gus Bradley to go and come over, be the defensive coordinator for the Las Vegas Raiders, you see Casey Hayward's over here, K.J. Wright. And it's guys that he's coached before. And I think that obviously uh, Casey Hayward, I think he's got a, I think he's got plenty left in the tank. KJ Wright, not as much, but I do think that you're going to see some quality play out of him this year. He's not, he doesn't have as much as Casey Hayward, but I still do think that he has some left in the tank. But ultimately, you need somebody that's going to be able to go ahead and preach your word. Whenever you're trying to, trying to teach a certain defense and you got young guys that either A, are not able to understand what the coach is saying, they don't think that it's going to work, they don't think it's going to be effective. When they're in the locker room talking amongst themselves, complaining, uh, confiding in one another, something like that. That's where a KJ Wright can come over and be, hey, man, listen, this is what coach is asking you to do. Why don't you go ahead and try doing it this way or try doing it that way? Or how about you just go ahead and buy in and believe what coach is teaching? Because I've been a part of what he's trying to implement and we won a Super Bowl off of that. And we were, we were, uh, uh, interception away from winning a second Super Bowl uh, running that same defense. So you need to have guys who are in there for the locker room to go ahead and build that camaraderie, the leadership, things like that. you got to have good locker room guys. And I think for KJ Wright, for them to go ahead and sign them when they did, I think obviously provides depth, can go ahead and provide quality play. As you can see, he's already being thrown in the starting lineup. But also they need somebody to go ahead and try to convince Try to go ahead and uh, and propel, go ahead and deliver that word, deliver that gos- that gospel in the locker room whenever the coach is not around. What happens when it's at the same position, though? Uh, Corey Littleton spoke and seemed very down on the dumps. He goes from the one line to the two line on the depth chart because KJ writes in there. How do they get? I'm not saying that he's not fired up, but if he's if he's a little disappointed, how do they get his head back in the game? Because that that kind of sucks. You're right on the eve of the season, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, now I'm not going to start. Well, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. Anytime you go from being a starter to a backup, especially <laughs> right before the season uh, comes to comes to fruition, that's tough. And I think in situations like that, to go ahead and just keep it blunt, oftentimes it's very difficult to come back from that. Now, the only way that you can go ahead and really bring a player back from that type of mindset, you got to be winning. Because if the Las Vegas Raiders come out here, they beat the Baltimore Ravens. They Then they go have a strong showing in week two, week three, so forth. In the first quarter of the season, the first four or five games of the season, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, you know what? Now I'm starting to see coach's vision because it's working. We're winning. We're being successful. But you come out that gate 0-3. You come out that gate 1-2. You come out that gate 1-3, something like that. Then, and I'm not starting? Yeah, I already didn't really believe in your moves and your selections to begin with. Now, unequivocally, I don't believe in them because now I have evidence to go ahead and back up what was my opinion and it's now showing to be fact. So it is going to be so incumbent upon Mike Mayock, John Gruden to go ahead and start out this gate very, very strong. Well, let's talk about coming out of the gates, right? Monday night. I think they got to win this game. I know they're a dog. This is a great chance to, to win against a team that is hobbled, trying to figure it out. Um, and if they don't win, they're going to look back on it and go, hey, there was a golden opportunity there. They need to win this game, Stanford. They got to get this one. Yeah, you got to win this game because I'm pretty sure that uh, you're going to go ahead. I think that uh, you're going to see the Los Angeles Chargers. I think they're going to beat Washington football team. I think Denver has a really, really good shot at beating New York. 
And then when you see the Chiefs and the Browns, I think the Chiefs are going to win that game. So you want to be able to go ahead and match the AFC West step for step. That's number one in the win-loss column. But I think ultimately in the psyche of this team for so many years since the Raiders lost the Super Bowl to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back when John Gruden was head coach back in 2002 season. Raiders have only had one winning season. That was back in 2016. Derek Carr then breaks his leg, or I'm sorry, breaks his foot, and then everything just kind of tumbles downhill. You got to go ahead and get back that that positive, infectious type of energy throughout the building. That's what you got to do, and I think it starts with week one. You have a strong showing against Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens. They're a little bit hobbled right now. Marcus Peters down, Gus uh, Gus Edwards, uh, Dobbins, the running back, who uh, tore his ACL in the final preseason game. Now is the time to pounce on the Baltimore Ravens. Now is the time. Go ahead and get this W, get this town buzzing, get Raider Nation buzzing again. And then now there's a belief system. Okay, you know what? He was the MVP just two years ago. And we just went ahead and stopped him. And remember, we beat Pat Mahomes week five last year at Arrowhead. So then... You start to build a lot of that confidence, and then it just snowballs after that. So I think that not only in the win-loss column, but I think also just in the psyche, the mentality of this of this team, you got to go ahead and do it there as well. So Stanford Rout's a busy guy. We totally appreciate that he's going to be joining us this season again. You're coaching high school football. You're doing NFL work yes. with us and others. And then you're also now on the schedule calling college games as an analyst, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah, ESPN. Started, uh, already have two games under my belt so far. Got a third one coming up tomorrow. What's the game tomorrow? SMU versus North Texas. What do you think happens? Uh, it's going to be a pretty good game. I think uh, SMU, they had a strong showing last week. Uh, Mordecai threw seven, threw seven touchdowns. The transfer from Oklahoma, him and Calcaterra, the other transfer from Oklahoma, they're going to provide a, a, a very dynastic duo. And I think that uh, when you go ahead and you pair them up with going against the UNT Mean Green, they beat Northwestern State last week. I think it's going to be a good game. I'm not sure who's going to come out victorious, but it's definitely going to be a barn burner. Good deal. Stanford, we appreciate it. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you next week. No problem, Steve. Be good. I will see you next week, bud. That guy's freaking awesome. Stanford Route with us every Friday here on Cofield and Company. You know what else is freaking awesome? Our show down at the Westgate on Sunday morning. It's a staple here in Las Vegas. You look at the NFL lines today. Well, on Sunday morning, there are a lot of changes. We get you the latest on the line changes. We get you the Sharps versus Squares report from Jay Cornegay or John Murray. And you guys get to watch the NFL in the Superbook on those giant 4K screens. It's an amazing experience. For betting, you want to download the Westgate mobile app, and you'll be good to go. And when you come out to watch the games, we're going to have great drink and food specials. It's one of the coolest viewing experiences in all Las Vegas at Football Central. And this Saturday, we kick it off live, Adam Hill and myself, 8 o'clock. Listen in or come down to the Superbook and check out week one of the NFL at the Westgate Resort and Casino. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune up today by calling 577-2600. The newest member of our team, most prolific passer in NFL history, Super Bowl champ, future Hall of Famer. We've only got 90 minutes. It's enough. <laughs> Welcome to TV. Welcome. Hey, I'm not going to lie. I see the guys warming up behind me. I feel like I should be out here getting warmed up. No, no, no. no. You no. Stay, stay right here. I'm happy to be here. Love being on set with you guys. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. Okay, Drew, here's the trade-off. You can play another year, or you get to keep the full head of hair for the rest of your life. That was amazing. That was bourbon-esque. What sort of magic did they pull on Drew Brees' hair? That was awesome. You didn't think it looked terrible? No, because if, if you're a casual fan and you don't know what he looked like with his helmet off when he was all sweaty. <laughs> God almighty. I forget what day it was. There was a day this week. Oh, it was after the coaches show. Um, like behind the curtain, I almost never wear the cans, right? And during the coaches show, we had head, headset mics. And... So I got the headset mic on. Man, I got home and I looked up and like m- the entire monk area that I usually craft, you know, like with my Trump-esque, my Gene Katie, you know, Lou Henson, Lou do, no. right? Oh, look, it was, it was no. all pressed down. So but, Nobody but, but listening re- knows who Gene Katie is. I know, right? Well, <laughs> Willie does. So awesome. <laughs> but they used to do this sculpting of the hair. 
God, I wish I, I wish I, I wish I knew the Latino guy in boxing. There was a Latino guy in boxing who did a full comb back. Ooh, like it was the his look. hair in the front had to be down to his chest, and he would he'd flip it all the way back to cover. A bald spot. You, I mean, you could see it if you're looking closely. But anyway, so Drew Brees last night. No, because if you don't know Drew Brees, you don't know that you know he was kind of losing it on the front. I, he may have gotten some. He may have gotten a hair job done too. So why not? He's going on TV. <laughs> not that you look like Carlos Boozer. Right? I can't. I can't get over the Gene Katie. Co- it was. It was so. Bad. That was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. All right. Uh, yesterday, Adam Candy and I gave out our picks for the NFC, the AFC, all the playoff spots, Super Bowl winners, bunch of over under win totals, bunch of props. You guys are up. You guys are up. So let's do it. We'll start with Willie as we go through the NFC, NFC East. All right, so I had it penciled in, and, and um, I'm not going to reserve the right to change, even though I watched last night's game, and I had originally said the football team, so I have to stick with it, although last night opened my eyes. I did have the Cowboys as one of my wild card teams. So Whoa, NFC East, no giveaways. Okay, okay. So NFC East the drama. is the football team. Okay. Adam? We know one of his wild cards. Uh, <laughs> Cowboys were my pick. Obviously, didn't see anything that changed that last night. Okay, uh, so I'm sticking with the Cowboys. First, by the way, no, they don't have another playoff team on their schedule till Week 11. Uh, by the way, for Willie and for me, uh, no repeat champion in the last 16 years in the NFC. Yeah. So uh, Washington football team is going to have to break the mold on that one. All right, NFC North. Hey, there was a point where the Vikings were actually favored to win the division for like two days that yeah. weekend that Aaron Rodgers was rumored to be going bye-bye or retiring. NFC North. Green Bay Packers. Yeah, Packers. Easy. Boy, we got to be really careful when we do all these picks because new teams make the playoffs every year, and there's yeah. always a, a, a worst of first. So we'll see if we come up with one. We were weak yesterday with our picks. NFC South, the obvious, Buccaneers? I'm, yeah, it's obvious for me, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I, I think – I really want to think about the Saints maybe making a run here, but uh, I'm going to stick with the Buccaneers. I don't think they're going 17-0. NFC West, very balanced. Worst team is plus 650 to win the division. That's the Cardinals. Saints are 280. Rams are 180. Niners are favored at plus 160. I'm buying in on the Stafford to L.A., uh, and I'm, I'm taking the Rams. There's always a worst to first, right? 49ers. It's an easier one this year. Yeah. Not a, no no guarantee, though. All right. So wild card one. Did you have the Cowboys as the best wild card, Willie? No. Okay. So wild card one is? Saints. Saints? I'm buying in. Wow. Yeah. You are going to be embraced massively by this show. What a, Adam wants to hug you because of his Jameis love. <laughs> I, I Don't like hug James. him. How, Pandemic. How did the Saints finish so low in our rankings? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like people didn't vote. They finished 18th in their rankings, and Adam's like, they're a top 10 team. All right, wild card one, Adam. I'm going Rams, so I'll take the uh, the Stafford to L.A. bandwagon that Willie's on, and I'll, I'll say they finish in a wild card spot. Wild card two. Cowboys. There you go, Dallas. And then you feel good about that after last night. I feel great They look pretty good. It. They lost, but they look pretty good. Yeah. I think I think a team that people are not necessarily – you just mentioned them, but they're not necessarily sleeping on them, but I don't think they understand exactly what happened last year. Like, this is not the same team. The Minnesota Vikings had injuries and opt-outs in a mess last year. They are going to be much better this year. Vikings are my number two wild card. And Kirk Cousins is going to put himself in that uh, hermetically sealed bubble to not Hopefully get in trouble with COVID. he just throws to Dalvin Cook every single time. Oh, fantasy concerns. Wild card three in the NFC. Seattle Seahawks. Wow. Okay. I had Seattle in as one of my wild cards. Adam? Hey, come on. It's Jameis. It's Jameis season. Let's go. Boy, Candy, I thought wanted to, he was wanted to rip my head off. He was actually kind of laughing at me. I said Bears as wild card three. Oof. I mean, what what week is Fields taking over? <laughs> That's the point. Yeah. Might be here in in, uh, in Las Vegas. I think be, it's week four or week five. be yeah. awesome. I think he's going to take over pretty early. Now, the downside is their offensive line is potentially <laughs> dreadful. All right, so AFC's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We've got over-under win totals. We've got a ton of props that involve Raiders players. But here's what's next, we hope. Fingers crossed, right? We're going to get them. John Gruden, Frank Caliendo, can you tell the difference? I think it's going to be Frank Caliendo, the comedian, is coming up next on Cofield and Company. So I'm going to bail out. These guys are taking over. They're going to have the rest of the preview. I'm heading to Tempe, so you're going to hear from me tomorrow. I want to remind everyone, Monday night, these two guys are covering the game at Allegiant. We're doing a party over at Twin Peaks. Our Monday night football party rolls out at Twin Peaks. We start early. Two o'clock, we're there through a good portion of the game. We'll have prizes. Their drink specials are awesome. They've got cheap apps as low as two, four, and six bucks. 
It's Twin Peaks on Eastern. And, of course, the hallmark there, my God, I love cold beer. So this is the place for Cofield and Company. 29-degree beer on happy hour specials. Monday Night Football Party every week at Twin Peaks with us, Cofield and Company. Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios. Hi, it's the Herd. Come on, man. We, 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 you do everything you got to gas from the office. Make it happen. Win or lose, we lose, baby. That's what we make it. Make it happen. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the game plan was. That's, the people said, how you get Tom Brady? I don't know. You tell me how to get Tom Brady. I tell you, I'll smoke or something. That, that's not that. That ain't what happened, Dad. Well, uh, prior bleed, we weed. Come on, man. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 It is Cofield and Company on this Friday. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez here with you, getting you ready for the weekend. And, of course, Monday Night Football coming up. Monday night, Allegiant Stadium opening. Uh, kind of, there was games last year, but this is the real opening season over at Allegiant Stadium. We're fired up for Monday. We'll get you all ready for that uh, coming up in just a couple of days. But it's the first week of the NFL as well. So much to get into. But first, I'm very excited, Willie, as you can tell. Yeah. You look excited, too. You're happy. We were talking about today, right, in the media room. Sure. Uh Frank Caliendo joins us right now, and uh, really, really appreciate the time, sir. Uh, how have you been? Yeah, be prepared to be let down, guys. I'm, uh, <laughs> half, I'm, <laughs> I'm half as good as you're hoping. I mean, if you're half as good as we're hoping, we're we're still great. We're well ahead of the game, then. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, I'll take it, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I, ask, I ask how you've been. I, I think it's a, it's a weird question lately, right? I mean... I feel like everybody's the same as they were a year and a half ago because like nothing's happened. But what what has this time been like for? Yeah, just a little fatter. Uh, (laughs) That's I mean, I was I I I started gaining some weight back because I was I used to be super fat and then I had lost a bunch of weight. I probably lost forty pounds. Uh, Never looked at the scale to see how fat I had actually gotten. So I don't know what the highest was. Uh, then I lost a bunch of weight and nobody knew who I was, you know, they didn't recognize me. And then, uh, then I started getting a little bit back and then over the, uh, uh, you know, the lockdown and stuff like that, apparently I gained more than I thought. So, uh, working on getting that back down, but I, you know, life's first, I got out of the road a little bit. I, I, I started a mini tour of working on some new stuff and, some new impressions and some new uh, material, and then uh, they, they, you know, they announced the Delta variant, and I got a little bit like, hey, you know, maybe I won't do too many more dates. So we'll see how it all goes. I, I'm, uh, uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm about the same as uh, a year and a half ago, I guess. But uh, yeah, just uh, just a little more cautious. <laughs> That's all. Well, Frank, we've got the Moo now too, so you know, be ready for the the new the Moo variant that is out there. Oh, is it? Oh, is it? Isn't it Mew? Or is it? Is that how you say? It? Is it Moo? I thought it was Mew. I'm, I'm like, not. I'm like, like Greek. Y- oh, <laughs> I'm Italian. So okay. eat some Moo, huh? It's eat me Moo. It's, that's Mario doing it from Super Mario. Eat some me the Mew. I guess they shouldn't make fun of it, but uh, I almost went Gruden there. I tell you what, man, all these variants. Stuff that's like a spider two wide banana. You're not going to the Y, man. Finding a different outlet. That's the way it works. So I was telling Willie. I don't know if you want to get into this right away, but um, too bad because I just started yeah, doing it. But uh, before I had a lot of stuff that was canceled or postponed at the beginning of the pandemic. One of the things I was supposed to do was actually for the Raiders because I, I believe you know this that uh, John Gooden is John Good John. Gruden has become a good friend, not John Gooden. Uh, I don't know John Goodman, but uh, so uh, I was supposed to do the alumni weekend uh, or alumni stuff for the, the uh, for the Raiders. I was going to tour Allegiant Stadium and do a whole bunch of stuff. Not as like Gruden. It was going to be like if you look over to the left, this is where you can get beer on tap at any second, man. And over here is Darth Vader's helmet. That's the entire thing, man. It's like the death. Yeah. There's one spot in it. You can't. You can take the whole thing down if you're waiting for it. You know. So, um, <laughs> so it was just. Uh, it was a, one of many things that uh, happened to go. Uh, you know, down for good reason. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was supposed to be doing a, a whole bunch of stuff. Is going to go to. Uh, uh, I, I'm sure I'm going to still go to some Raiders games. Uh, Jeff Leonardo, who is uh, Gruden's right hand man. 
Uh, I always just text him so I don't bother John. John's like, I'm very busy right now. What are you doing? Making, drawing up plays, man. That's all I do. Um, so, so, uh, so yeah, I go out there. Right before the pandemic hit, I, I was out at, uh, we went to Aerosmith's final show there at the park. Um, uh, yeah, so Gruden, it's funny because Gruden picks up his phone. We're just, I'm sitting there right next to him. Cindy, his wife is right there. Leonardo's next to me. And, Gruden picks up his phone. He starts talking into his phone. I'm here at the Aerosmith concert with my good friend John Gruden. How's it going, Johnny? And that's when I realized because he was going to take he was taking video of us. That's when I realized that in his head, John Gruden refers to himself as Johnny. So he's like, you know, what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to call a play, right, Johnny? Yeah, man, sounds pretty good. So, uh, but that was a blast and hanging out with Gruden for a little bit. And then just, you could just see people looking at us and, you know, more so him, they would just point at him. And then some people would point at me too. And they're like, that's John Gruden. And then who's that guy? He wants to be John Gruden. All right. That's the voice of Frank Caliendo. Kind of. I mean, John, Frank Caliendo, John Gruden. We're hearing everybody there. Uh, I, I, I'm very interested in this because you, you describe great, you know, scenes of you hanging out with John Gruden. But what is it? What really is it like to be a friend of John Gruden? It's so weird to me. I'm sure it's weird to you to think about it too. It's just it's weird to be friends with with certain people. He doesn't seem like a guy that's just social ever. He's just football. Uh yeah, yes, he he is. I mean, he's he can be kind of normal. I've seen him so nice. I mean, I remember a Monday night football game in Chicago. We uh, I they brought. I don't remember. I don't think I went in on air in that game, but I was hanging out with him, um, and uh, it was him and Tarico, and uh, we were at Ditka's. Um, like I think it was the night before the game, and uh, he was he was just sitting there. He's got the Super Bowl ring. Um, a kid would come in at Ditka's, Ditka's restaurant, not like Ditka's right, right. house. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. tell you what. Like we're at Ditka's house, just hanging out. <laughs> Ditka's pulling out wads of hundred dollars. Ditka literally is like a cartoon character where he'll pull a wad of just hundred dollar bills out and go, "Let me see here." Choose the gum. <laughs> he just starts, you know, tipping people. So, um, so Gruden, uh, people see the ring. He's like, "You want to try that on?" And so he's like, "Got kids coming up to him." He's like. Give him the Super Bowl ring to try on all the time. So, super nice. And he's just, he's crazy, oddly intense, but he's the guy who controls him, too. So, he usually defers and lets me do my thing if he wants, you know, me to be a court jester or something like that. But he's the guy, when he walks into that production meeting, he's like, all right, man, let's get this thing started. I got a busy day of thinking about plays, man. (laughs) So, uh, and like Tariko, Tariko's like Mike. Tariko, you finally here, man? You find, where have you been? You busy doing golf or basketball or something else? You, you are you are you calling dodgeball games now? So you know, he's just yeah, uh, roasting everybody here and there as they come in. So um, I think he's. I'm trying to figure out if he's kind of. He's not normal. He's just John Gruden. It's he, you're always a little bit like what's he gonna like? He looks like he's gonna explode at any second but he's he, he he's not he, he's like he's nice and even when he's come but he's got that he's one of those guys who's just got a crazy energy about him no matter where he goes like i can i can hide like steve kine was a fine i think uh, the gm of the uh arizona cardinals yeah. i've become pretty good friends with him because uh one i coached his son in flag football and stuff like that but we're out at some like festival kind of thing one day, and he's just like, "You're out here just walking around." I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, people expect me to be way taller. I'm five six. They, if they know who I am, they think I'm going to be six five. You know, they think I'm going to be Madden. That's what they're looking for. Right. They're looking for the you know a mountain of a guy. And I just I kind of sneak in. I'm like, nobody knows. If, if they figure it out, they usually haven't seen me without a gray wig and a bunch of makeup on anyway. So, um. Yeah, uh, but I'm one of those people that can kind of blend in. Gruden's one of those guys that everybody's eyes go to because, you know, the shoulders are back and he's walking around like a rooster getting rid of the cock-a-doodle-doo, man. It's morning. Let's get going. Frank, um, you know, you talked a little bit about the pandemic and when it hit, and one of the things that I noticed, and you and I, you know, 
DM on Twitter throughout throughout last year, especially the shutdown. And Willie, how, Willie, yeah, Willie, yeah. I give you my phone number, and you still DM me I, all the this, time. This it is makes true. no sense. You know what? It's, it, it, it's, my phone is never my phone is never on. So. I don't. It could be two in the morning. Could be three in the morning, which is when Gruden usually texts me. He's like, "I just had lunch." It's three in the morning. I know, man. I've been busy. But um, I, you always you DM me on Twitter, and I was like, "Just text me." It's the dumbest thing. I'm sorry to say this is dumb, but it is. It's just like text me. You text know what it is. You know what it is. It doesn't ever. It's. It's. I see the tweets, and what triggered me last year a lot was. And, and I'm wondering this is, you know that you have this fan base that that you know that adores you, but there were a lot of times where you were putting original content out and how much it meant to people that may have been going through, you know, mental health issues or depression or what it was, and how uplifting did did you get a sense of that as as it, the summer grew and just sort of a different feeling and appreciation for what you meant to so many people. Cause I think there were a lot of people that needed that and they were getting it through the content you were producing on social media. Uh, yeah, you know what? Yes. Um, I thought of myself as kind of a savior for a lot of people. No, <laughs> I, I really did. Um, I really did feel it. And I'll tell you when I felt it even more when it wasn't people who were just uh, t- you know, tweeting me, you know, thank you and stuff like that. Because I was trying to do one thing, especially when the lockdown stuff was all going last April or whatever it was, uh, you know, that that early onset of everything where everything was really locked down. But people, um, you know, I was getting texts from people, um, you know, in the industry and friends and athletes and stuff. I, I, one in particular, I know there's a sick, a gross name drop, but it's a guy who I've been friends with for years. Um, JJ Watt even texted me wow. and was like, Hey, it's awesome that you uh, are doing all this stuff. I'm like, and I wanted to go, well, could you retweet some of it then? Buddy? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I didn't say anything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, super nice stuff like that. And just to hear some of those things from people way more famous than me was pretty cool. Uh, you know, some of those things. And I, yeah, I just, I got a sense of, Hey, people, people needed that. And they were, you know, I had a couple other friends that were doing those types of things. And I was like, uh, you know what, that that really did help a lot of people. And, uh, you know, a lot of people going through a lot of different things. And I've been pretty lucky in this world to be able to to get to where I'm at. Not that I didn't work hard to get to uh, certain things and then become extremely lazy, which I've become now. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I did, uh, I did really get a sense of that. And it's what kept me going and make because I... I I've, I've got this weird old-school mentality that if I'm not working for somebody... It's weird to just put stuff out all the time to promote myself and put it out there. So, you know, all of social media, as I started looking at it more, because I got off Twitter years ago, Pat McAfee was one of the guys who just got me back into it. He's like, get out there, do some stuff, you know, have some fun. Try, uh, You know, get into this new media world. It's a different thing. And uh, it it was one of those things where it was kind of eye-opening to see all the different people that would see the stuff uh, and it's funny because if I did like a John Madden impression, which I try not to do very much because it is so old, um, but if I did and I do it on camera, it feels really old. But then if I do Summerall and Madden as voiceovers for like a Pat uh, Patrick Mahomes play, he's to the 20, to the 25, and he made a wiggle there and you didn't think he could do it, then boom, I mean, he's at the end of People are like, oh, that retro is brilliant. And I'm like, well, you guys have been telling me for, you know, 15 years, and rightfully so, that's old stuff. Honey, you just do it in a voiceover with current content, and people go crazy for it. So, and then I came up with the, the um, we were messing around my podcast, and John Holmberg was my partner on that, and we were just goofing around, and we started working, we both started working on Tony Romo's. And uh, and then I got the Nance uh, thing where Jim Nance is like your when he gets excited during a play, it's like you're messing with the volume dial on the you know on the on the audio console, and he'll be like to the sideline. <laughs> so I would do the the Tony Romo. Oh, Jim, it's going to be incredible and amazing and amazingly incredible. And here we go, Jim Tony. <laughs> and then those guys started doing that in games. Like they would do it like. They, 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 Nance would, uh, they'd screw it up. Nance would screw it up. Be like, here we go, Jim. No, that's not, you don't say here we go, Jim. And you could hear Tony go, oh, come on, Jim, that's my part. Here we go, Jim. Tony. So they did that in a Chiefs game on like a Thursday night or something. It's something else. 
it was a weird, maybe it was a, maybe it was, I don't know if there was a makeup game kind of thing or what, but uh, they did it. I think they did it in the playoffs once too, but it was like, a, it was a direct quote of my bit of what they do. <laughs> I just love to hear what those, you know, the, the crew would probably, the crew's probably the ones that actually showed those guys that at some point they're like, Oh, you got to see this guy. Cause I love Romo. Nance is, you know, Nance is lyrical and so amazing with his calls and, He's got, he, you know, he's got a, a vocabulary that he can put to uh, action of nothing. Not, you know, of, I can't even do it right now to talk about how he talks about something. But uh, Romo will do those things like, oh, Jimmy's like he's going zero to sixty in a really fast car that goes zero to sixty fast. Like <laughs> Romo will bail out on stuff, and he's from Burlington, Wisconsin, which is you know just forty-five minutes away from where I grew up. So normal kind of uh, Midwestern guy and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool stuff. It's great stuff. Frank Caliendo uh, with us. By the way, I, I am moving on from this immediately after I say it. I'm not – I am – trust me, I'm not asking you to do this. Uh, one of the most impressive things I've ever heard is you doing a Seinfeld scene with all the different characters. Unbelievable. Uh, he, so, so don't worry about your, you know, bringing out old ones. It's awesome. I'll just say that. Well, you, you know what? Here's the other thing, though. Uh, the funny thing is it's coming back to Netflix, or it's going to be on Netflix as of October 1st. So it'll be topical again, and I'll be out there going, what do you do? What do you mean don't do it? you got to do it. <laughs> hey, Jerry, I think he's doing it right now. He found a way to work it in. I didn't think he was going to do it. What are you talking about? No, I can't, Jerry. George, George. I forgot your name was George. We're getting older now. Who could have done this to me? Newman. Hello, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Because please stop. I can't, I can't even, I'm not even be able to breathe right now. It's great. Uh, I, no, but I was not. I Trust me, I was not trying to put you on the spot with that, but that is brilliant stuff. I actually wanted to get a yes, little. Yes, it was. It was totally it. true. Uh, oh, Jimmy, he's, he's right on the money there. Tony. <laughs> no, I, I actually wanted to get a little kind of inside baseball here a little bit because I like my life is 98% sports, but the like 2% left over is an obsession with just the world of stand up. Um, it's, I listen to stand up comedians all the time. I, I love just hearing like the, you know, the, the stories and like the, the discussion of the art and the craft and everything like that. So I, I just wanted to get into this cause I, I've heard a couple of comics talking about the pandemic and not being able to perform. And then when you finally get back on stage, there's a, there's a genuine fear from a lot of them of like, do I still know how to command the stage? Do I know, still know how to, you know, command the audience and that sort of thing, which I find really fascinating because you would think people that are that good, like you just step on stage and it's like riding a bike, but there there is like you have to be in practice, right? Like it, it's a tough situation to be in. Uh not for me. I just went up there and started doing it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I I I don't know. I'm not. Listen, I'm di- I'm different than a lot of comics in terms of you know Carson will always talk about, and I don't I don't want to. This is going to sound terrible and make let it. This is just honestly coming from me. Carson would talk about Johnny Carson to go way back. Um, not Carson Palmer, in case people were thinking Raiders. Um, uh, and then the Cardinals. But, it, 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 you know, he'd talk about they don't, uh, they don't clap for you when you're, uh, you know, when you're not, when you're not out there, right? So mm. people, people love that laugh and clap. I'm almost embarrassed when I get laughs. I'm very weird. I didn't ever want to get into entertainment. Uh, it wasn't something. It's just, it, was a, it was a way for me to make money honestly, and, and go do something and have a job that would, because I went to school for broadcast journalism and thought I was going to get into sports some way, shape, or form. My dad was a minor league baseball player in the White Sox organization back in the 60s, and, um, uh, you know, he, he had us a, a little later in life, but uh, so I grew up playing baseball. I grew up playing sports. I grew up with team sports. That's why Hollywood made no sense to me. I was always like, you need other guys on the team to make something great. They're like, no, we just want this to be your show. I'm like, yeah, but what about who's going who's gonna to lead off and get on base and then steal so they're in running scoring position? What, who's going to do all this? And, oh, it's all about you. So um, I, I, I do – I do have fun up on stage. I enjoy it. It's a, it's, I used to work at a golf course on a grounds crew, digging sand traps and mowing and all sorts of stuff. Uh, you know, get up at 5 a.m., go, go mow in the morning, and then in the afternoons doing the, you know, like a sand traps or, or doing some other type of, uh, you know, landscaping type of work. Um, so I, I do realize how lucky I am for a lot of that. 
you know, to what I've been able to do, not having to go to an office every day or do Zoom meetings nowadays constantly. Um, uh, but to me, it's a, it's almost and at where I'm at in the, my career. I, I can work when I work. I don't have to work all the time. So was it fun to get it back up on stage? Yeah. Was I worried at all? No, not really. But also I'm kind of a puppet show. You know, I get up there and I can just go into voices. And I've actually been working on voices a lot more because I had been doing a lot of the, um, you know, the, the social media stuff during the pandemic. So in some ways, I was better and sharper with uh, some of the voices and stuff like that than I had been and was trying harder <laughs> than I had been, uh, you know, before. So there was a lot of new stuff for me to try, but I didn't have any sort of, oh, I'm worried about this. Can I still do this? I, I, yeah, for me, it was just kind of just show up and this is fun and good again. And I had a lot of energy to go, you know, do it. Cause it, one of those things about to me that again, is I think different than other comics, they want to be up on stage all the time and they live for it. I, 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 I don't know. I enjoy it. I have fun with it, but I, I don't, I don't need, if I could act and, and get, uh, you know, small parts and some things, I would probably be more excited about that than, mm-hmm going up and getting applause all the time and, and, and trying to get, uh, you know, big laughs or something like that. I've actually tried, I get more out of being serious and watching somebody watch something I did and go, oh my gosh, you really did a nice job with that. That's good. I didn't think you had that in you. That's the kind of stuff that actually makes me prouder of myself than any kind of, because I can always be an idiot. I mean, even <laughs> the people that think I'm completely unfunny, you know, they'll be like, you suck. I'm like, come to a show and tell, you know, it's hard to be funny on television. When I was on with Fox, you know, Terry, not funny, Frank, not funny. And, they, you know, they'd always do that. And, you know, that's part of the shtick. But you were, you're, you know, like the NFL on Fox, uh, the, everything that's funny on that show, just like on the NBA and TNT, the great shows like that, when something goes wrong, that's the funniest thing. I was always on tape. They would edit anything that went wrong out of there. So it would be kind of contrite and right to or try right into the, uh, you know, just this is the joke, 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 as opposed to Terry Bradshaw doing highlights and not remembering anybody's names. And like, oh, there's a guy that, oh, oh he didn't used to play for somebody. I missed it. And everybody going, why do we have you doing highlights, Terry? Most, you can't read. What's, what's going on here? So. Yeah, that's the stuff, or you know, or Barkley and Shaq make it fun of each other. It, that's those are the things that uh, are, are really a lot of fun, um, uh, you know, d- 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 in those shows. And then when you come in and just are a, uh, you know, a set piece that's already you know shot and edited, it's it doesn't have the live energy of somebody being there. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a, it's a little different and. Speaking of uh, getting on stage, I'm, I'm looking at your tour dates, three of your next four shows through uh, later this month and then into October in California for Las Vegas people. Now, Frank, you've seen Las Vegas evolve. Uh, two-part question. How, how You know, you got to – your thoughts on just what this town has, has grown into, and then when can we expect you to visit and perform here in Las Vegas? Because I know you have a big fan base here. Yeah, well, you know what? I had not been there for a while, and then uh, – before, again, before the pandemic stuff hit, I went to see Wilder Fury. And uh, we I went there with John Holmberg, who I do the podcast with again. But uh, my, my wife and I went with him and his wife. And uh, I actually did not recognize a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it had been... It had been a while um, before. I, well, I guess I went there. It was and, and it was there and with Gruden for that. Uh, those those were actually back to back. I might be combining the two, but when I went to see Aerosmith, and then I went to Wilder Fury, uh, I, I you know the Park Theater. That's that was right where I used to be at the Monte Carlo. Um, you know, so much. So you know. Vegas is an incredible place where if it's five years, if it's 10 years old, it's old. It might as well be a hundred years old. Um, that, that, you know, they start tearing, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll bring a building down. They're like, this has been here too long. It's been here five years. What are you talking about? Well, you know, we've moved on from what we were doing before. Um, so there's a, that's amazing the, the way they can change everything in Vegas. Um, so yeah, things, a lot of things had changed, uh, but I, 
I was there. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. It was you know, I was there when I was working there, and I was there daily. That was 2010, somewhere in that range. So that's 10, 12 years ago. Um, might have been 2008, 2009, but it was, it, it was, it was around then. I was, I was like, holy cow, just with the difference. And as far as coming back, I, you know, I, I, that was another show. There was another show that I'd had. I don't remember if it was at the Orleans or somewhere, but uh, I'd had that was another show that had gotten um, canceled. Was one of them in Vegas? So. Sure, I'd be back, and you know, I got a bunch of friends there. Caratops become a great friend. Uh, Terry Fader, who I know is it, uh, he's in New York, New York now. So, uh, and 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 Caratops at Luxor. So, I every once in a while, I uh, if they're doing a show, I'll I'll pop in and do a, a walk on at one of those kind of shows or something like that and have some fun. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know when I'll be back, but uh, I'm sure with. You know, Raiders uh, being in town now. My son wants to go see a Raiders game, and I love to check in with. I, I, I'm not going to DM uh, Gruden on Twitter or anything. I'll text him, but uh, I'm never yeah, DMing I, you not, again. Never. Yeah, don't. I don't know why people. That, you're not the only one. Other people do that. I'm, I, maybe because I don't always tell you, but I don't. Have to, like I said, my phone isn't even on vibrate. It's on completely silent, so people can text me whenever. I might not see it for a little bit, I, I, although I seem to be addicted to my phone. But uh, I, I, I have it on silent, so anybody can text me anytime they want. Um, because I do get texts from you know sometimes different parts of the world too. I'm pretty cool. Uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, so, well, that's just the the. the simplicity of it frank unbelievable job we really really appreciate that we kept, we took up way too much of your time but that's because you were killing so we, we we had to keep keep you on yeah, I so thought we, this was a long i was like that's a long segment you yeah, guys you yeah, well you were you, you're, you're a victim of being too good that's the problem <laughs> well yeah imagine if i was as good as you'd hoped so. uh, you you were even better and uh by the way care top listener to the show so uh hopefully he uh, oh, he's, uh for people the people that don't know that is one of the I have ever seen in my entire life. People, you know, people don't get how good Carrot Top is. I mean, he's pretty filthy at times, but I almost went Gruden. He's pretty. <laughs> Gruden goes to that show all the time. Gruden's back there. He's like, you see Carrot Top, man? You wish you were that good Caliendo. You ever pull something out of a trunk? Come on, man. But people don't get how great Carrot Top, the, the integration of music and the props and jokes that Carrot Top does, incredible, and video, incredible, so amazing. And Fader's great, too. The, 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 he does something very different that I don't do. It's a much more laid-back show, but he does, a, a, you know, the singing, like, Terry Fader does these impressions, uh, singing impressions of women and, uh, like, amazing singing. And I watch some of these. I'm, I'm turning to Mel Kuyper Jr. I watch a lot of these guys that look at tremendous ability, ability, high risk, low reward, and you got to get some commercials in. Caliendo should have been done with the segment about 12 seconds ago, 12 minutes ago, 12 seconds, times 60. Uh, make it happen. Get out of here so these guys can do some commercials and pay for the programming. Frank, <laughs> unbelievable job. Follow him on, tw- follow him on Twitter. Don't DM him at Frank Caliendo. <laughs> and uh, man, we really, really appreciate it. That was un- unreal stuff. Thanks, Frank. Awesome, guys. I'll text Thanks. you at 2 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, thanks, man. Frank Caliendo, awesome stuff as always. God, he's he's brilliant. Uh, we appreciate his time, and uh, we'll come back. Big Five next. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co.